the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker and I am your host. And when we talk about our culture, generally we're talking about American culture, culture in the West, those things that impact us directly. Uh, It could be issues related to race, issues related to gender, issues related to our economy. So many shifting issues, so many shifting values and philosophies in our culture that in order to move forward in a good way, we need to have the right perspectives and the right information. And so often that comes from people who are spending all of their time thinking about these issues that can help us know how to navigate. We often have these conversations We understand, though, that our culture locally is impacted by what is happening globally. We live in a global society, whether we like it or not. We can talk about globalism and nationalism and all of these issues. Uh, But whether we like it or not, what happens in other countries impacts what we are doing here in the United States. We see this probably nowhere as clearly as in our relationship with China. Uh, What happens in China because of the manufacturing that takes place there, because so many of our goods are purchased from China, so much of our imports come from China. We talk about supply chain largely. That's what we're talking about is our relationship with the country of China. Uh, We understand then that what happens there impacts what happens here. Uh, Recently, as it relates to COVID, so many issues related to COVID have taken place certainly globally, but specifically in China. And as China has a zero COVID policy, they're trying to eliminate it entirely, uh, which is interesting, but they're trying to eliminate it entirely. They're doing that by locking down any person who even has uh, the potential to spread the virus. And we'll talk about this in the interview a little bit today. But as those things happen, manufacturing ceases in some of these regions, factories are shut down, the supply chain then stops moving our direction, and what we used to purchase from China is now put on hold. What we have increases in price, it impacts our economy, impacts inflation. What happens in one place impacts how we respond here. And we see this again and again and again. A guest that I've had on before who deals specifically with supply chain issues, who has run supply chain for large companies, who now consults on supply chain issues for large companies, and who writes on this is Jim Nellis. Jim has been on with us to talk about the economy, to talk about supply chain issues. Recently wrote a paper that, uh, or a uh, an article that I wanted to read to you, and then he has graciously accepted the invitation to come on and talk again. So I have an interview with him that we'll get to in just a second. But I want to start with his article entitled "China's White Paper Revolution." I'm going to read this because it highlights these issues that we're talking about. China is facing its largest protests since the Tiananmen Square protests in 1989. The current protests being referred to by some as the commoners or white paper revolutionaries 
were triggered by a deadly fire last Thursday in Yurumqi, the capital of the far west region of Xinjiang. The blaze killed at least 10 people and injured nine in an apartment building, leading to public fury after videos of the incident appeared to show lockdown measures had delayed firefighters from reaching the victims. Maybe you've, this is an aside, maybe you've seen some of these videos. Um, absolutely incredible. Uh, crazy what has happened there. He continues writing, uh, Jim does. China has pursued a zero COVID policy, which allows local and the central governments to lock down the population if a certain region has a spike in COVID cases. This has led to megacities such as Shanghai shutting down and disrupting global trade. New COVID infections have been reported throughout China, but the worst affected cities have been uh, Guangzhou in the south and another uh, area that I can't pronounce, so I won't, in the southwest. China has reported nearly 40,000 new cases for the week ending November. By comparison, the United States experienced approximately 42,000 cases per day. So get that. He says China has reported 40,000 new cases um, for the week. The United States, 42,000 per day, (laughs) Uh, handling it differently. He continues, mass demonstrations have spread to Beijing, Xingdu, Genzhou, and Wuhan, where the thousands of residents have called for not only an end to COVID restriction, but more remarkably, political freedoms. The Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, has already cracked down on the protests In Beijing, some protesters said, uh, quote, police were calling them on their personal mobile numbers, asking for their whereabouts during the previous two nights, Saturday and Sunday. One protester said their friend had been taken away from their Beijing home and was still missing, end quote. The Biden administration has been remarkably silent on the protests. Quote, there were no statements or tweets on the protests from President Joe Biden, who met with President uh, Xi Jinping this month on the sidelines of the G20 in bid to ease tensions. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan also avoided comment, and their official spokespersons didn't issue any statements, end quote. These protests are not uh, not the only challenge facing President Xi. China's economy is floundering. With an average annual growth rate of 6.7% since 2012, China has seen one of the fastest sustained expansions for a major economy in history. In 2021, its gross domestic product hit nearly $18 trillion, constituting 18.4% of the global economy. However, the Chinese economy has only grown at 3% for the first three quarters of 2022. The government's target of 5.5% growth rate for 2022 is likely to be missed, unless the economy can grow at more than 10% in the fourth quarter, which it will not likely. In addition, the Chinese real estate market is in shambles with so-called ghost cities now being destroyed as developers go bankrupt or simply walk away from their projects as they run out of money. With the first national protest since 1989 and a failing economy, President Xi is faced with serious challenges. A rapid exit from COVID-0 could fuel a surge in deaths, undercutting Xi's efforts to cast China's pandemic response as superior to that of the West. Cracking down on the protests, on the other hand, could build public sympathy for a cause that has already demonstrated nationwide support. Many totalitarian regimes resort to creating a national emergency in the hopes of getting its people to rally around the flag. One potential response from President Xi would be to accelerate his plan to invade Taiwan and reclaim the renegade province for China. Earlier this month, Xi told the People's Liberation Army to focus all its energy on fighting in preparation for war. 
The head of the U.S. Navy has warned that the American military must be prepared for the possibility of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan before 2024. And this was before the COVID protests of this weekend. President Biden has said that the U.S. would go to war with China to defend Taiwan, a change of U.S. policy. A Chinese invasion would be devastating to the world's economy as Taiwan produces the vast majority of the world's computer chips and semiconductors. One can only hope that cooler heads will prevail and that the U.S. military has done more than simply get woke under the Biden administration's leadership. That is an article from Jim Nellis uh, talking about this issue in China, of course, and what we will talk about in our conversation with Jim. Very grateful to have him on. Uh, For those that do not know him or do not remember, Jim is a supply chain consultant based in Chicago, Illinois, has served as chief procurement officer, chief supply chain officer, and chief operations officer for multiple companies. Jim served uh, in the United States Navy as a naval officer after attending college on an NROTC scholarship has a bachelor's degree from Northwestern University in economics and French, as well as master's in management from the J.L. Kellogg Graduate School of Business. Very grateful to have on my guest, Jim Nellis. Before we jump into that, though, um, I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that, and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital, and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now Crazy shipping, uh, free shipping, and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need (laughs) to take a look at. You can call for details, 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near-perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit and there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation government debt interest rate hikes economic crashes even wars and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios Uh, one of the things i love about lear capital is that they are an american-owned company proud to do business with americans that share conservative values write this number down 800-489-6450 call them today or if you don't want to call you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes check them out you will do yourself a great service by at least investigating lear and what they have to offer Jim, thank you for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. It's great to be here. Uh, There are a lot of confusing things happening in our world right now. And um, it seems like there are there is no shortage of things that I don't understand. (laughs) What's happening in China is one of those things that I do not understand. Um, China, of course, has a long history of 
secrecy and controlling information, and yet we're seeing a lot of things come out of China right now. COVID had a lot to do with that. Um, I'd like to talk about some of that, but let's let's start perhaps with just a, an overview. What is life in China like for those who are living there under the zero COVID policies and and uh, just just a day to day? What are these folks dealing with that we don't understand? Sure. Well, before we start, I mean, any American who tells you that he or she understands China is lying. To me. <laughs> uh, it's one of the most complex societies yeah. that, that I've ever visited or, or ever studied. So. Up until a couple of days ago, um, the daily life for someone in China was weekly COVID testing. You had to show up at your neighborhood COVID center to get tested. If you didn't, they would come for you and make you get a test. And if you tested positive, then you were literally taken to a COVID dormitory in most cases and made to stay there until you uh, tested negative and went through the, the required quarantine period. Yeah. So it was a very... Um, I don't want to say tyrannistic, but it was a very authoritarian approach to COVID. I mean, we all saw the videos back in uh, 2020 of them yeah. welding the door shut so people couldn't leave. We saw the drones flying through Chinese cities telling people that they had to stay indoors. So very authoritarian in their approach to COVID. Um, and I think that was for one of two reasons. One, I think it was very important to President Xi to be able to show the West that China could control COVID better than the West. But I think it's also something that they were testing. I, I really believe that they were testing, much like perhaps our own government was, how far can they push the public right. and make them bow to the government's wishes so that the next time something happens, they could even go even further. Um, we're now seeing protests, and this is kind of the genesis of this conversation, protests um, you know, throughout China. And they are being positioned by American media for sure, media in the West, um, as protests against the lockdowns. Is it that simple or is there something bigger going on? You know, we see throughout history, there are moments that create opportunity for people to protest, but the moment was just the moment. That's not really the thing. Is that what's happening here or what are we seeing happen? I mean, thousands and thousands of folks out in the streets protesting right now. I think you're seeing a couple of things. One is it's definitely a protest against the lockdowns. People are just tired of being forced to live by these rules since literally for them, December of 2019. Yeah. So they're coming up on three years of living under these rules. But I also believe that there's an underlying current of folks who are tired of the government in general. Uh, the last time I was in China, actually, people were openly in business meetings talking about the government in negative ways. And I started looking around like where are the hidden cameras <laughs> and where the policemen are going to come in and, and arrest right. us for doing this. But and I'd never experienced that before. So I think the people want change. And a lot of that is driven by the economy of China. The economy of China right now is in shambles. They're in a major recession. They're not growing. And if you look at their export numbers, their export numbers are terrible. So, you know, there was there was once a study done back in the early 2000s that said China had to grow at over 8% a year in order to uh, stave off a revolution. They're growing by their own reports at less than 6 right now, which probably means they're growing at 3%. And so I think people are a little fed up with that. Um, and then also you've got to remember, China's getting a, a huge middle class right now, but there are still probably 900 million people that live in abject poverty in a country of 1.3 billion. So, you know, eventually those people are going to get kind of angry and want, want a little bit of that pie. Yeah. So when we look at the economy, I, I think this may be something that we talked about a little bit before. Um, 
So we look at Russia right now, and we've always had a perspective of Russia, or recently have had a perspective of Russia, that they were an overwhelming force. They could basically do anything that they wanted to do throughout Europe, and certainly they've had their hands on some of the levers there, particularly in the energy sector. Um, but largely what I think we've seen as they've moved into Ukraine and that conflict continues is that, um, I don't know if paper tiger is the right phrase, but they are not as strong as they projected to the rest of the world. And it feels like we're seeing much the same in China. Again, a lot of pundits were saying when Russia moved into Ukraine, China, that was going to be the signal for them to move into Taiwan, that they there would be nothing that would stop them. And yet we haven't seen any of that. Um, is that the situation there where they've been projecting something that's much stronger than they actually are and that's beginning to crumble or is this just some kind of an adjustment? What, what do you see happening, you know, in the next several months or, or year? I actually do see China moving into Taiwan eventually. And I think it will be during the Biden administration. Uh, if you look at what we signal to the world with the way that we left Afghanistan and then the way that we, you know, we almost goaded Russia into invading Ukraine. Yeah, if you right, go back and, sure. and look at the way we did that, it's like, you know, I double dog dare you to go into Ukraine. <laughs> right. And, you know, to keep the Christmas thing going, right? But yeah, then right. He, had to, he had no choice but to go in. And, you know, if you look at the history of Russia fighting wars, they've, they fought wars the same way, basically going all the way back to World War II. Overwhelming force, minimal technology, and just try to pound the yeah, enemy yeah. into the ground. And it's not working in Ukraine. If you look at China, it's a little bit different. Tech from a technology standpoint, they're much better. Uh, their, their standing army is huge. I believe it's the largest standing army in the world. The, their one downfall is their ability to do amphibious assaults. So if you're going to invade Taiwan, you mm. will need to eventually do an amphibious assault. Maybe they'll start with the blockade, starve them out, negotiate something. Maybe they'll come in with paratroopers and then do uh, an amphibious assault on a soft beach. But uh, that's the one area that China would struggle with is in, in, in that realm. Um, but I would not be surprised to see it happen because if you look at what's happening in China right now, you know, they had the protests a couple of weeks ago and President Xi was really left with one of two choices. I can relax some of the COVID re uh, restrictions or I can do something to create a nationalism in my country to get everyone in the country to forget about COVID mm -hmm. and to rally around the flag. Yeah. And that's typically what a tyrannic regime does is they, they'll create something to make the, the people rally around the flag, and that would be Taiwan, because there's still a feeling in China that it's a breakaway province. It's not its own yeah. country. It's just this rogue province that eventually will return home and everything will be fine. I mean, it's only within the last, I think, 10 years that they've allowed direct flights between China and Taiwan. So um, they did start relaxing the COVID restrictions in China uh, this week. Uh, interestingly, though, they started to see a spike in COVID cases, which mm -hmm flows naturally, right? You, sure. you keep everyone locked up and you let them yep. go outside and all yep. of a sudden they get, interact with each other. So what's going to be interesting to me is to see how they respond to the spike in COVID and to see what's going to happen with the people. Are they going to continue to rebel a little bit or are they going to be satisfied with having the COVID restrictions lifted and then wait for the next crisis to, to start the, the white paper revolution again? What happens with the Chinese economy? Can they continue to support their country. I, I, again, this has been a, you know, a topic of discussion is we receive, and we can talk about the supply chain as well, but we receive so many goods and services from China. Um, if their economy is not growing at the pace that it needs to, to sustain itself, how can they continue to be the manufacturing hub of the world? And 
take care of their folks. What happens economically in China? So, as I said, they're in a recession right now because and, and it, it follows. I mean, we're basically in a global recession, right? Right. Sure. Uh, and the U.S. is importing a lot less from China. I believe uh, last month the ports of Long Beach and uh, Los Angeles had their lowest volumes of imports from China, I think, in 20 years or something like that. So pretty significant drop in, in imports. China's making some of it up by actually exporting cars to Russia because they're one of the few mm. countries that will still trade with Russia. Mm, interesting. But they need to grow their economy um, or they need to create something that's going to ha- make it happen. And if you think about it, though, a lot of their economy was based on fallacy. They, they had the big real estate issue earlier in this year. And if you've ever been to China and drive and you're driving around or riding around on a train, you see these what they call ghost cities. Yeah. And it's literally a city that looks like it could support three to five million people with no one living in it. They just built the city waiting for people to come and move in. Uh, and then the developers couldn't afford to pay back the banks. Uh, people couldn't afford to pay the rent if they moved. You know, you wanted if you were the first person into a ghost city and no one else moved in and they shut it down, you didn't get your money back, right? So yeah, uh, they've started actually destroying a lot of those the, the buildings in some of these cities. So the the economy is going to continue to struggle. There's only so much that they can do internally to prop it up. So they're going to have to find a way to get exports going. But that's only going to happen as the world economy starts to recover. But that's, in my opinion, a year away. My pillow is excited to announce the original My Slippers are back in stock, just in time for the holidays. Last Christmas, you made our slippers the number one selling My Pillow product, and now they have added smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all new colors. What makes My Slippers different is the exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slipper. My slippers' patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve the stress on your feet from all the running around this holiday. Wear them anytime, anywhere, and save $90 off with promo code SITREP. That's only $49.98 a pair. You'll absolutely love my slippers. And now they're also extending their 60-day money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2023, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to MyPillow.com and use code SITREP or call 1-800-870-0283. Use promo code SITREP to save $90 on the original MySlippers. That's only $49.98 a pair. Quantities won't last long, so please order now. Our policy seems to be as the United States that we will placate China any way we have to. We'll overlook human rights violations. We'll allow them to to do whatever they need to do so that we can maintain a trade relationship with them. Um, you've been involved in this for many, many years, looking at supply chain and how goods and services are moved. Uh, what would happen if an administration, and I think Donald Trump largely tried to do this, but if an administration said, we are not going to tolerate the human rights issues, we're not going to tolerate what's happening uh, to so many people in your country. Um, we're going to limit trade from China. How does that impact the United States, either positively or negatively? I mean, I think it could have either impact. Well, I mean, it would it would impact us in a way that your iPhone would cost ten thousand um, dollars. That's that's not much more of a price increase than you currently pay. But you know, <laughs> if, if we did something like that, you you could see China nationalizing iPhone production in China, nationalizing Nike production in China, and the cost of those goods would would skyrocket. Does that really hurt us that badly? No, that those are those are wants, not needs. Um, 
you know, you, you, you would it would hurt places like the NBA. I mean, LeBron James gets mad at Elon Musk for releasing yeah. all this stuff about Twitter, but yeah. won't say a word about what's going on with the, uh, the Uyghurs in China. Right. Uh, because the NBA makes billions and billions of dollars in China. Correct. So it's it's a really interesting situation. You know, I, I think President Trump did the right thing when he when he put the tariffs on there. And he actually made the Chinese come to the table. I got to the point with some of my clients where I was able to import goods that had the tariff on them for less than I was paying before the tariff went into place. Wow. Because their demand went down by so much, they were just wanting to get rid of the supply. What do people need to understand about supply chain, about these issues that we just don't – again, the economy is is in such a strange place right now. And most of us have little knowledge or understanding of how the economy works anyhow. <laughs> and then you throw inflation and then you hear <clears throat> phrases like supply chain issues being tossed around, being blamed for every single issue that we have, right? Um, it's funny, it's either supply chain or COVID or supply chain because of COVID. That's, that's the answer to every question right now. Um, what do we need to understand about the supply chain, how it works, how it should work? Normal people trying to have a functional understanding of these things. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I guess timing is everything. I just published something on my Substack uh, called COVID and the Supply Chain and the Rebirth, <laughs> of, and the rebirth of American Manufacturing. Because what we're seeing is more and more companies are moving out of China right now because mm. of the way that they handled COVID. Um, interestingly, though, Interesting. about 63% of those that are leaving China are choosing to stay in Southeast Asia. Those that are coming back to the United States are looking in the, the USMCA region, the, the former NAFTA region, primarily in the United States and Mexico, for new supply bases. But then we're also seeing a large investment in manufacturing in the United States. So. Uh, Manufacturing investment is up over 20% year over year right now. So that's a really good sign. So everywhere from uh, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah, all the mm -hmm. way down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, people are building new plants and doing new things. And that's really good for the Ameri American economy because that benefit's going to last for a long, long time. One interesting side effect of this, though, that no one's really talking about is that China is investing billions of dollars building plants in Mexico right now, primarily in the Monterey region. And with the reason they're doing this is they want to get closer to their American customers. They want to um, reduce costs. They want to be closer to us, but they also don't want to have to abide by the Chinese COVID rules. Wow. And so you're seeing, and it's it's actually kind of going back to what China originally was. They're moving over low-skilled manufacturing, so furniture, toys, things like that. They haven't started doing the big electronics or anything like that yet, but eventually you could see huge uh, Chinese industrial parks growing up around uh, the Monterey area of Mexico. That's incredible. Um, one, of, one of the conversations I try to have with folks is this is how you can be prepared in light of what is on the horizon. <laughs> and uh, again, with the economy, it's, it's so hard to understand. But as you look at this and, you know, you deal with uh, companies and you're, you're consulting them, you're telling them this is what you need to be prepared for. This is how you need to look at this. But as a consumer, as a, you know, a residential homeowner, as someone who has a job and, uh, wants to take care of their kids and do all of these things. Uh, what are some of the questions that we need to answer? Some of the things we need to be prepared for as we look down the road and globally, there is a recession globally. The economy is shifting and supply chains are moving and so much is happening. What do I need to focus on as a consumer to make sure that my family will be able to weather this at least in the best way possible? You know, I think there are a few things you can do. One is, if, if you don't have some savings right now, do what you can to get some savings. Uh, don't do what a lot of Americans are doing. I, I read an article this morning where 
we're seeing record numbers of Americans dipping into their 401ks to pay for necessities right now, mm. which is a, a scary thought. But that's because of the inflation here. But make sure you've got some money to fall back on in, in case something happens. And then if you're look if you're looking at other things that are happening, they're calling for potential food shortages. They're calling for potential issues at grocery stores. We're still having issues with baby formula, for gosh sakes. Yeah. Um, actually, they're having issues now with children's medication because of the uh, the uh, the flu outbreak that's going on right now with, uh, with with a lot of kids. So make sure you have some basic necessities. Make sure you've got three to five days of food at a minimum in your house and, and some water. And, you know, like like FEMA would say, have a flashlight with fresh batteries yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. But, you know, I don't want people to start thinking that we're hitting towards Armageddon, but there's just practical things that we should do. In the, in the longer term, I think you need to be ready to see prices go up for a little bit longer as we rebalance the supply chain globally. And then, you know, I think coming out of 2023, we'll start to see inflation um, go, go down back to, you know, that 2% level that we want to get. Uh, we came out today, the, the, the um, producer price index was at 7.4%, which was a little bit higher than they were expecting. Uh, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, comes out on Tuesday, and then the Fed votes on the next rate increase on Wednesday, the last one of the year. And they'll probably raise rates by another 50 basis points, which will make housing more expensive, which will make, you know, credit cards more expensive. And again, that's going to hurt a lot of Americans. Uh, 25% of Americans right now are using their credit card to pay for groceries because they can't yeah. afford to pay for the groceries. Yeah. But when you can't afford to pay for the groceries and you're using a credit card with 20% interest on it, hmm. You're 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 in a just a never-ending cycle. It's a it's a death spiral. So, you know, be smart. If you don't need to get that new car, don't get that new car. Uh, yeah. If you can deal with the sixty-five-inch TV and don't need to go up to the seventy-inch TV, <laughs> do that. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you need all twenty-seven versions of HBO? Or can you right. go down to one? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just having good uh, personal economic policy. I think right. Just exactly. you know budgeting, exactly. taking care of of what we're doing. Um, yeah, the world is a crazy place, and, and just having our own house in order is the best thing we can do to to move forward on that. Uh, Jim, thank you so much. Again, so many just crazy issues, and China is one of those areas I think a lot of us have been programmed to be afraid of. Um, I don't know if there's a reason to be afraid, but there is a lot happening there and a lot changing, and we just need to keep an eye on it. Um, you write on these things. You talk about these things. Where can people uh, learn from you? Uh, you can find most of my writings either at American Greatness or at the National Pulse. Uh, also have an article coming out in the Washington Examiner on Tuesday about the, some of the new gun laws that are going into place mm -hmm. and how they want to come for the guns at a time where we probably need them more than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can look for me on Substack as well. Jim Nellis, thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. Have a great Christmas. I can see you're, you're ready for Christmas. So, uh... I'm definitely ready for Christmas. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate Jim's clarity on such a complicated issue. I also appreciate that he started off by saying, if anyone in the West tells you they understand China, they're lying to you. It is a very complicated issue. When uh, we stopped recording and got off, we, we continued to talk a little bit. Uh, I have been reading personally quite a bit about World War II and particularly um, Russia's involvement in uh, not only the war, but in many ways instigating what happened in Europe and uh, FDR's involvement there. And, and so many of the policies that we see playing out, so many of the issues that we see playing out right now in places like China, certainly in Russia, but in places like China, are because of decisions that were made 70, 80, and more years ago. And they are issues that at the time were not considered to be 
globally altering decisions. Uh, and yet many people, at, even at that time, were talking about how damaging the decisions being made, particularly as it relates to the Soviet Union at the time, the expansion of the Soviet Union, communism as it was expanding, uh, just how detrimental the decisions being made in regards to those issues and the, uh, those countries uh, could potentially be to the future. And to me, in many ways, when I consider what's happening in China and the issues we're dealing with right now uh, as it relates to China and uh, potential war in Taiwan, all of these issues, I can't help but look at them historically and understand that when communism was allowed to spread, when dictators were allowed to rise, when we did not take advantage of opportunities that we've had even more recently, um, Jim was talking off air about um, following the T Tiananmen Square massacre, that we could have put an end to the communist regime in China, but we didn't. In fact, we propped it up. When we look at the decisions that are made, so often we look at them very short-sightedly, and decisions are made that are expedient in the moment, but have devastating consequences. The millions and millions of folks that have been killed because of communism in China and elsewhere around the world, um, even wars in Vietnam and the war in Korea that we dealt with after the wars in world, during World War II, all of these are the result of bad decisions made that we even today are dealing with the consequences of. We have to be very deliberate about the decisions we make personally, but when we consider who we vote into office, when we consider national policy and uh, consider foreign policy from the United States, those decisions have long-term ramifications. Decisions that are made may be expedient today, but they may be detrimental for generations to come. And often we want the most expedient thing to be done because it's easier, because it has less of an impact on us. But we need to do the hard thing now so that we can protect a future uh, in our nation for those that we care about. And if we're not willing to stand up and do the hard thing now, all we're doing is kicking the can down the road so that our kids and grandkids have to deal with these issues. Uh, very grateful for Jim, his insight, his understanding. And uh, sometimes I think that we need to keep things rolling, even after uh, we end the show, because some of my best conversations happen after the fact. Um, but uh, so much uh, good here, and I hope that you'll pay attention. Go and check out Jim. He, he writes a lot on these issues. He writes clearly and concisely on these issues. It can be very, very helpful. Please go and check those out. If you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do that. Now subscribe to the podcast, and then share this and other episodes out with others. Now, one of the easiest ways that you can do that is to go over to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, look for The Situation Report. You'll find our channel there, and uh, we'd love to have you subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Leave us a comment. Uh, like the content there. All of those things are very, very helpful. Uh, but one of the benefits of YouTube in particular is that it's easy to share, and a lot of people, most of the people you spend time with, spend their time on YouTube. So easy to share out with them. They'll check that out. That helps us produce more content like this, bring on more guests like Jim. And uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to do that. But we do that for your benefit. So please go and check that out. Subscribe to the podcast and then go over and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, that would be fantastic. Really appreciate you watching and or listening. This show, this podcast, this content could not be produced without you. So thank you for participating in the conversation. Look forward to talking to you next time. 
Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with uh, in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux. And together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service. 
that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them and that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope, and there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward, and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward, and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that out, application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.